0: Welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded at an Innovation Roundtable workshop hosted by IBM in New York in October 2018, where our colleague Leonard sat down with Mark Coopersmith, Faculty Director and Senior Fellow at UC Berkeley, to discuss lean startup principles. During the discussion, Mark talks about the primary challenges companies face when dealing with radical innovation and shares his view on how companies could change their culture Leadership and skill set to achieve a lean organization.
1: Mark, thank you very much for your presentation and uh, thank you for joining me in my little uh, pop up studio. (laughs) Um, Maybe we can start the interview by you just briefly uh, explaining who you are, kind of what organization you work at, and What your research focus is or teaching focus?
2: Yeah, sure. It's Mark Cooper-Smith, and I'm at UC Berkeley, where I teach innovation and entrepreneurship. And I've been teaching, in particular, entrepreneurship at UC Berkeley for 15 years in a very experiential way, uh, which is, for me, I love it, because every semester I have student teams that launch new companies. Uh, Many of them fail, which actually led to... My book, The Other F Word, How Smart Leaders, Teams, and Entrepreneurs Put Failure to Work, not just my students who failed, but also the startups across Silicon Valley and globally that fail. Um, And uh, so focus on teaching entrepreneurship, and then work with executives and organizations and governments and countries around the world to help them create Better entrepreneurial ecosystems help them understand what it is that they can do to accelerate growth, to accelerate innovation, to drive more startups. So it's it's coming at this concept of innovation and entrepreneurship from a Silicon Valley perspective. Working with hundreds of startups now as an investor, as a board member, uh, as a mentor, having launched them in my classes, um, and now taking a lot of those lessons and working with global enterprises to work with startups, to work like startups, to help them drive innovation and growth in an increasingly fast-paced world.
1: About those corporates and multinationals, how should their kind of innovation principles or the innovation framework, how how should that look like in in today's
2: world? So I I look at innovation, entrepreneurship, and then this hybrid of corporate entrepreneurship really in, in different but overlapping groups. So if we think about traditional innovation, innovation was often something that took place in the labs, right? It was R&D led. It was innovation in the more scientific method approach. And then we look at entrepreneurship and how startups get launched and how that process has evolved and changed so much, certainly from a technology standpoint over the last 20, 30 years in Silicon Valley and as the current venture landscape Incubators, accelerators, angel funds, um, all of the different corporate partnerships take place as well to help create this incredibly fertile environment for startups to launch. And then we take a look at how we bridge those. How is it that corporates, that enterprises, can act like startups? What are the principles that they can take that startups use? The topic that I talked about today, for example, the skill set, tool set, and mindset of entrepreneurs How do you take those and adapt them to be effective inside larger global enterprises? So one is those tools and approaches. And then secondly, what are the frameworks that you use to apply those effectively to help navigate the hallways, to help attain the funding, the stakeholder support, secrets around successful execution, setting the right kinds of milestones, ensuring the right types of strategic alignment.
1: What, is, what are some of the primary challenges to making more radical innovation happen in those large companies?
2: Well, one of the biggest challenges that large companies have is how incremental they typically have been. So I have two or three points that I want to make on that. So the first is this, more, this mind sh- shift from incremental year-over-year budgeting to zero-based budgeting to starting up new entities from scratch and doing so in new ways that don't necessarily reply, don't necessarily require robust business plans and business models. Um, the second builds on that which says how do you really employ a lot of these tools? How do we iterate faster? How do we get that feedback from the customers, whether they're consumers, whether they're business-to-business customers, whether they're other stakeholders, as we enter new markets, as we employ new business models, as we think about partnerships in different ways, as trends and laws and demographics change, and the world it goes increasingly faster and faster, how can we take those skill sets and tool sets that entrepreneurs employ and put them to work to enable large enterprises to move more quickly too? How
1: do you, how do you get those kind of at least from a corporate perspective new capabilities and skill sets how do you get those kind of into infused into the corporate world how where do you get them do you hire new people do you train people what is what, what could be good approaches to to really get those capabilities and skill sets that are that have not been so ingrained into the corporate world
2: right well as we think about anytime you enter a new in, a new endeavor You have several options. One of the typical trade-offs you go through is make versus buy. And in this instance, I think you have to do both. You have to create those skill sets internally by taking some of your most promising executives, young, mid-level, and senior, and helping imbue them with these new skills and tools and this mindset. Events like this are very good at that. Uh, Some of the executive executive education programs that I run at UC Berkeley are executives coming back to go through a startup boot camp to really understand what it's like in a compressed several-week period of time to actually go through all of those stages, use those tools, and put them to work so that they begin to actually get that muscle memory. So that's the make. And then you have to bring new talent in. Being here at IBM, an example that I used in my talk today is how IBM has remade itself many times over the years. And every time they went through one of these massive shifts, a lot of people didn't make that transition with them. They had to bring new people in that had the skill sets, that had a different vision, that weren't as tied to the past, to help make that leap into the next business that IBM was going to be in
1: let me ask you about uh, finding those people in those large companies those people that you just mentioned the uh, the ones in the different levels uh, that might be <clears throat> very open and and maybe also uh, pretty good at adapting those um, and and really taking on um, a new mindset or new methodologies how do you find them in very large companies
2: yeah so so frequently you know who they are they're f- the br- they're bright, they're aggressive, they're the high potential, but sometimes they're also the people who don't always follow the regulations mm-hmm. quite as much. They like to break the rules a little bit. You can see that they're feeling restricted by some of the corporate guidelines. So what do you do? You give them that opportunity to want something new. Um, one of the the My 10 traits of top entrepreneurs is ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm -hmm. That's not always easy inside large enterprises. Look for those people who actually do break the rules from time to time and then allow them to continue to do so. Um, If you don't, those bright people that can create billion-dollar enterprises will leave anyway. Mm -hmm. So give them the freedom to launch their own. Let them hire from the outside like-minded people that bring different skill sets in. And there's an additional benefit for this. Because they already know the enterprise, the corporate enterprise, as this new entity, this new startup grows, they're able to help navigate across the company. The other thing that this helps do is, let's say you launch a, a, a new startup inside an enterprise. And it starts to be pretty successful. But you realize that it's still not big enough to make a huge difference. Inside a global enterprise, you may need $500 million or a billion dollars in revenue before it starts to make a difference. I call that the tyranny of the large denominator. But once you have a high growth area that's working, then you can start to deploy your balance sheet. And you can go out to the marketplace and make appropriate acquisitions that now have an appropriate place to dock because we know as we take a look at failed acquisitions that many times those acquisitions fail because they don't have the right place to live. They don't have executive sponsors internally that really understand that marketplace or the way that the business works or how the employees inside that organization need to be handled to be able to be as effective as possible.
1: Let me at, ask you about kind of the next step, which is really trying to put together uh, good teams. And now <clears throat> you see a lot of really young entrepreneurial teams and right. your students, but you have a, quite a, a long legacy in, in the corporate world as well and an entrepreneur yourself. So what is the magic uh, of you know, creating and putting together a, a good team?
2: Well, there's, so there's a lot of dynamics. It's one of these things where if we could bottle that, we'd all be rich again, right? <laughs> but but part of the dynamic is, it, and it depends what stage you're in. So there's several things. First of all, you have to think about the different stages of growth of your corporate enterprise. Um, you've got the initial launch stage where you're going through the messiness of experimentation, product market fit, prototyping, business model iteration. You need the right people to do that, that don't mind failing a lot, that don't mind being nimble, iterating a lot, asking lots of questions. The next stage is the build stage. People who are, st- who are very aggressive, who take this messiness and start to put systems and processes around this that are fundamentally scalable. And then you have really the, the move to um, stability stage where you're bringing in that next level of executives Perhaps they come in from other places of the organization and you recruit them that understand how to fundamentally scale and leverage the assets of your enterprise. So part of it is what stage of growth your entity is in, your corporate startup. But there's a couple of other parts, too. The other is you need this right balance of hacker and hustler. You need this balance of of makers and business people, whether it's engineers, product development, that skill set. And then you need the hustler going out and doing deals, selling, the, uh, selling products, doing partnerships, evangelizing internally inside the organization. So you need to have a balance, especially in the early stages of that. And then finally, you need this right balance of inside and outside. You need to bring new types of thinking in. Uh, people who won't be constrained by what the traditional approaches of the organization have been brand channels business models product and say we're going to reframe this around changing customer needs so you need these from these people from the outside as well as those right individuals that come from the enter- the enterprise that can connect you across the enterprise that understands some of the core values of the entity to make sure that this new, um, enter, this new startup is not completely disassociated with the corporate parent. Um, and you need to kind of find that right balance. My typical take on this is you need more people from the outside and then you need the right people from the inside. Now
1: let me ask you about, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned your book in the beginning, the F word. Um, what if things are going wrong or not developing in the... In the in, in, not showing a good path, basically? H- how do you kill projects and how do you stop projects uh, in an environment, especially in an environment uh, like corporate environment with a lot of political and, and structural right. uh, issues to, right. to think about?
2: So there's two elements around processing failure. Well, there's a lot more than two, but there's two in response to this question that I'd like to get at. One is this... this um, approach to saying how do we experiment quickly? How do we iterate quickly? Every time we try something new, it can have a variety of outcomes, but typically it works or it doesn't work. And every time we try something new as we're innovating, we're gonna get a lot of outcomes that fail. So we have to be able to process those as new information, not as failed business initiatives. So the faster and the better we are at processing those experiments inside Our startup the better our chances of success because we gain new knowledge from that around products around customers around markets around channels around all business models around all of that the second issue is the way that we think about what these new business initiatives are if we call them a new company if we call them a new business initiative they can either succeed or fail and if they fail that has bad implications for the people that are associated with it in many instances However, if we call them experiments instead, business experiments, and we communicate broadly that we know most of our business experiments will fail, but some will succeed and succeed big, and we want individuals from inside our corporate entity that are willing to take chances with us, and if this experiment doesn't work out, we're gonna give you another experiment. We're gonna give you another experiment, why? Because you've learned a lot through that experimentation that can lead to that downstream success. So we have to have that attitude inside the company that says, this is a portfolio approach, it's a scientific method, and it's not a failed business venture per se.
1: Let me ask you about some of these very highly iterative uh, methodologies that, that were not so common in the corporate world where it was more like linear and stage gate, one direction, big projects. Right. Um, And this early experimentation with the customers, how do you make sure to protect the brand or think about the brand when, you know, the notion of minimum viable product and then really going out with products that are not really finished and exposing them into the... How do you deal with that uh, protection
2: issue? Yeah, so that's a a good question because that's a huge issue. And I think everybody has to handle this separately. Um, First of all, in some instances... You may go out with a different brand altogether, especially if it's around getting that early customer feedback, product market fit. If it doesn't matter if the parent company's brand is associated with that, then you don't expose the brand to that potential brand tarnish if there's a number of products that are out there that fail. Um, The other is that you can explicitly call this a new business experiment or a startup venture or whatever and you can signal to the marketplace that within this portfolio of new business ventures you expect a number of these young startups to fail or to consolidate or evolve into other businesses and that's part of your message if you were to say we're going to launch 50 new ventures this year with the expectation that 10 will matriculate to the next stage that 10 out of 50 would be 20%. Well, that's about typical in startup success rates. And if you frame it in that way, then you may be able to also protect from a brand image standpoint some of, that, um, uh, so, some of the concerns about tarnishing the brand.
1: Let me drop another keyword into the discussion, which is uh, leadership. Um, what is important in terms of leadership when thinking about innovation uh, and when thinking about that uncertainty in many cases where it's not really clear where, yeah. where the path is going.
2: Well, so, so when it comes to leadership, this is, I'll go back to some of the research that um, my colleague John and I did around the other F word mm-hmm. when we did that. And we were talking about, we were talking with a number of leaders about how they handled innovation um, and in particular how they dealt with this concept of the more you innovate, the more opportunities you also have to fail. And a number of leaders said, we don't like to fail. We don't fail here. And they didn't really want to talk to us about that. Um, and a, But a few, and many of these were really the most dynamic leaders, said the better we understand what drives innovation, what drives success, the better we will be. And the only way we can experience that, that we can understand that, is by undertaking a broad spectrum of experiments with our customers, with products, with others, and constantly testing the waters because customers are changing, technology platforms are changing, trends and tastes are changing, demographics are changing, all of those elements, which means if we stay still and we don't take chances and we don't fail some of the time, over the long run we will fundamentally fail. And it was those CEOs and other senior leaders And I'm not just talking about startups, I'm talking about CEOs of Fortune 100 companies that said the better understanding we can have with failure, the more successful we will be. The more productive a relationship we can have, the better we'll be. Now, that doesn't mean we like to fail, and I don't mean to get into any of the, the celebrating failure component because none of us like to fail, but it's an understanding that the more we want to innovate, the more we will have negative outcomes of those experiments.
1: Let me ask you the last question, and really kind of broadening up here, uh, is about innovation uh, more generally and, and how that has changed in the last kind of 30, 20, 10 years, in that time frame up until today. And what are some of the reasons for those changes?
2: I think our understanding around innovation and what drives it and the way that we undertake it has just fundamentally changed kind of where we started our conversation. Innovation used to take place more so in labs. There was a place where innovation happened. Markets weren't shifting quite so quickly. Technology was definitely not changing so Mm -hmm. quickly. Now we started to turn this around and say technology is changing. Customer tastes are changing. Competitors are moving ever faster, have ever more data, and come at us from 360 degrees from any place in the world if we are not adop- oh and we have an entire new category of upstarts that have what appears to be almost limitless access to funding to talent to partners and other resources coming out of silicon valley and so many other places around the world entrepreneurial ecosystems that if we don't adopt some of those techniques to act more entrepreneurially to look outward as opposed to inward then we will move too slowly. That doesn't mean that internal research is dead. It's still just as important, but we also have to think about what is the market telling us? What are customers telling us? um, What do we see and how are they interacting with our products, our channels, our brand?
1: Mark, thanks once again for your presentation and uh, thanks for that interesting and
2: pleasant conversation. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot.
0: The video version of this podcast can be accessed via InnovationRoundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, InnovationRoundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners and large firms, So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.